Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And Caitlin Bird will join us shortly on the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics Sammy, have you uh, have you been laughing since these results came in Tuesday night or have you just been spiraling? <laughs> you know, I have learned to put up guardrails against um, spirals because it, I think when you just read the news every day, like you need to. You got it. Especially when like, OK, this was the results. We're lucky that we got these results in the 2021 election year rather than the 2022 election year. So I tend to be um, a little bit more optimistic with things like this, where it's not like this is a dire, this exact, this happening is bad, but mm-hmm. it's not like going to immediately change something. You know, I don't so know like, exactly what it's going to immediately change on the national level. So I'm trying not to spiral and I'm hoping that John Lovett tweeted it. We lost, but we gained a wake up call. Like, let's all... I kind of feel that that way, too. I mean, as we're talking about this, I'm kind of like, I'm sure our Virginia listeners are like, this is terrible. (laughs) We hate him, which is totally true. But like I I said yesterday, it's like it's a warning shot. And I would rather it be, (laughs) I guess, in in a a state that a small percentage of the population lives in than like all of us national seats. But yeah, it's definitely um, a a come to whatever deity moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't really change the the makeup of the House. Obviously, it's really bad that, like, this person was elected in Virginia. And there are some other, you know, I would say, pattern-wise, very concerning election. But it, it was not the 2024 election. So Precisely. we have some time, and I'm hoping that we will all take it. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw an interview with Amanda Littman, our fave, who she was like, these are data points. They're significant data points. But they're just data points. I like. Yeah, that. no, exactly. Actually, my um, my intuitive eating dietitian <laughs> always says that she's like, if you do something that makes you feel bad, like it's just feedback. Mm-hmm. And since she kind of like we talked about that, I was like, that applies to everything. Like, there's no, you know, it's not like anything is like final. Like, you know, the world's not going to end if you fuck up one thing. So yeah, it's all just feedback. I saw so. that on like, I've been like trying to, I'm not going to stop drinking, but I've been trying to drink a little bit less. I think I was talking about this. Um, That book, Quit Like a Woman, you had the author on yeah. Afternoon Tea, like kind of just blew my mind. And so now I'm getting some like recovery TikToks. And one I came across that totally stuck with me. It's like, if you're trying to go a long time without drinking and you and then you have a day, it's like, that's a data point. It's information you have and you move forward. I would love yeah. to think that I can practice this <laughs> instinctually, but. Yeah, I think like the principles of recovery are helpful, you know, 
in a lot, you know, you don't have to be in an official alcohol recovery or like a substance recovery or even a dieting recovery to, you know, have things that you are trying to have patterns you're trying to break. And you use the same principles no matter how deep you are in the patterns. Right, exactly. And if you like, (laughs) we're comparing it to the comparing going sober to the Democratic Party. But before we do a a little bit more um, debriefing on this, I intentionally labeled yesterday's episode part one so that uh, the three of us could talk a little bit more today if we wanted to. But Sunday's daylight savings time. I don't know why this feels, it feels like a a cultural moment. Whenever daylight savings comes around, there is a lot of Mm. uh, discourse about it. Do you hate daylight savings time? Or like the switch of it? I know this is like, I know this is like probably not a popular opinion, but I don't really care. I care. Like, (laughs) I don't give a fuck. Like, sure, I think it could, I think we could get rid of it. And I'd be like, that would, I would prefer to get rid of it. But um, I don't think about it, you know, 363 (laughs) days a year. So I consider that a win. You Isn't know, when it, it so comes crazy to my list of problems. That we just all do this thing that's kind of, I'm like, who enforces daylight savings time? We all do this thing collectively across the country where we set our clocks forward or back. Like, it's not really based, like, how is it easier to get the entire country to agree to change time than it is to get the entire country to agree to follow science and get a vaccine? We're all just because like, sure, fine, been, I'll get up early. Well, I think that is a testament to um, how long we've been doing one versus the other. Um, you know, yeah. time is all made up anyway. Yeah. It's always interestingly, if you live in Arizona or one of the territories that does not observe the time period, you're not going to have daylight savings. And I think if I remember correctly from a West Wing episode, there's like somewhere in New Hampshire that doesn't mm-hmm. do daylight savings either. Yeah, it's a that great was. West Wing episode. The whole thing is it that's it just shows that time is fake. And it's weird that it's like you have a meeting and the meeting is an hour. And like, what is an hour? Do you think Kirsten Cinema is just going to like stop showing up to things on time because she's from Arizona? She's like, it's not like I can, I'm contributing. It's you know 11 what? o'clock for me. You know what? I don't know what to do with that woman. I'm still but... choosing my uh, pastel wig for the day. Do you feel that she has been a little bit like quiet lately? She's been or a little quiet, days. but she's also been posting a lot of like statements on her Instagram, basically just being like, don't blame me. I love the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Like, I really want this bipartisan infrastructure deal. But I believe I read yesterday that her hometown in Arizona just passed a $15 minimum wage, which she famously and very, like, animatedly voted down in Congress. So she's pretty she's pretty out of touch. So seeing seeing with that in mind, she probably is going against what most Arizonans want and is setting her clocks back. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know what's up with that woman. Like it's just her, Joe Manchin. It's like, you know what? I'm just just let me know. Let me know what they do because I have no impact, you know? Yeah, exactly. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So before we talk a little bit more about election stuff, when Caitlin gets here, I think we all need a laugh. And Mark Zuckerberg has a laugh for us today. Mm-hmm. You were like, can we talk about the metaverse? And I was like, let me find a peg. And I found the best peg I could yeah. ever find, which is that. So as we know, last week during just one of its terrible PR crises, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced that the company would be changing its name to Meta as part of a rebrand effort. Turns out that name is taken, which I guess should not be surprising. It's, it's like one of the most simple words. <laughs> An Arizona-based company that sells computers, laptops, tablets, stuff like that is called Meta PC, and it launched a little over a year ago. So they're trying to trademark Meta in relation to like any technological use, which would apply to Facebook. Their trademark has not yet been granted, but in the event uh, it is, and this keeps Facebook from using the term, the business owners say they won't accept anything less than $20 million. I would go higher. They should get higher. Oh, damn. Go higher. Also... I'm surprised Facebook isn't going to try to acquire them just to like get them. That's what I was thinking. I know. But after I read this, I was like, you know how there's sort of like a cottage industry and I'm sure it's pretty manipulative. Yes, by URLs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was trying to think of other very obvious names that we could just start companies of and trademark and just get ahead of them. What is, well, not every day is Facebook changing its name and, you know, going to throw you their pennies from their pocket for the name. But- um, no, I I actually, Jordana and I um, once said we were going to do that. We were going to buy, like, all the hurricane names. So, because um, we know there are going to be more hurricanes. So, like, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> Would that we're, mean that the actual hurricanes could not be named that? No, we were going to buy like hurricaneirene.com. Like, got it not that oh i even yeah, think that yeah, would yeah. matter like this was our idea in like 2011 when like you might want that yeah like and also know. like knowing you now you'd be like instantly you'd be like of course the government can have it of course <laughs> yeah i'm just yeah. Oh, i can't do it yeah oh, um, but that's just totally. such a perfect uh, such a perfect kink and you said over text like the lawyers they had to have hired the, these they're lawyer. I mean, they definitely have in-house counsel, but they probably also have out-of-house counsel, and they're paying these people probably upwards of a thousand dollars an hour. And no one was like, "Let's make sure it's not taken." When we at Betches want to launch something new, we're like, "Is the Instagram handle taken? Is it someone someone else?" Like that's a whole. It's the first part. question. It's Anytime the first you want to launch a product, anything you, it's the first question. Yeah, literally. Because like we've literally been. Because <laughs> I was like. Maybe Sammy has some like good intel on, on trademarking terms as a as a founder. But I was like, I've also been in the meetings where it's like we're brainstorming for new names or for something. And then like literally we're all the first. Oh, let's let's check. That's the first thing you do. Yeah. No, when it comes to like trademarks, it's you have to show that you use the thing that you're trademarked for. So the fact that they're uh. a tech company, Meta, the fact they're trying to do like all tech would really fuck Facebook over because I imagine Facebook will want to come out like headsets. They announced they do want to come out with headsets and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Meta, ask for more. Let this be the SEC fine that Facebook never had. Oh, or make it. them embarrass themselves by being like, actually, we're going to do a different name. We're going to go with Verse. <laughs> and then some fucking record label in Tennessee is like, actually. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. I mean, they should just call it what it really is, which is just like terrifying dystopia. I'm sure nobody's nobody's trademarked that. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about on this conversation is a pattern that I've been noticing, not just with Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse, but with like Elon Musk wants to colonize the moon. Right. It's like these they're not just about making money anymore. Like it's not about the money clearly anymore because it's just not. Um Clearly, it's now money as a stand-in for control of as many people as possible. And rather than, like, try a political um, move, you know, they're not going to beat, like, Putin and China and, you know, all those countries at their own geopolitical game. So their plan is, like, let's create a different world that we can be in charge of. So for Elon Musk, it's like, we're going to rule out our space, the moon, the the satellites. Personally, I don't want to go there, so... Yeah. But then there, there he's like, you know what? If I Bitcoin mine the Earth enough, I will destroy it. So they will have to come to my new moon. Well, that's what that's what Mark Zuckerberg is doing because when you hear him describe the metaverse, he wants an alternate alternate reality that makes us happier because he's ruined this reality. This reality is such a mess, partly because of him. Well, honestly, like I don't want to go to that, but I did see that Nike is making sneakers for the metaverse. Oh, like it's no. like an NFT. I feel like I'm gonna get be really behind on all this cryptocurrency. I need to buy some more of that. Shit yeah, you guys like, need to do. That. I don't have like, I have nothing. You know. I know. I feel like since you crypto and I poor. aren't, we're taken. We don't. We don't have. We don't go on dates where men can mansplain crypto to us. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm crypto poor. I don't want anything to do with the metaverse. Is that a term? I just made it up. I love it. <laughs> I want nothing to do with the metaverse. Cash like, rich, I don't, Chris, crip, crypto I, poor. I want real shoes. I don't want digital shoes. Like, yeah. You know? I think that's so. I didn't really start reading about the metaverse until the last couple of days. And like you said, I, I think Mark Zuckerberg also, terrifyingly, he seems to want to also start becoming more of like a cultural 
figure. Like he's kind of like changed. Like I feel like he has like a a persona consultant, and he's oh, been like, for sure, yeah, definitely. And he's like definitely. Following well, they're very bad. More. They should yeah, replace terrible. them with me. <laughs> what we want you to do is stick your ass out and put a lot of sunscreen on. Yeah. <laughs> so the metaverse, more broadly. Zuckerberg announced these plans last week, and it's Facebook's plans to expand, as Sammy said, into all sorts of technology from video conferencing to virtual reality and video conferencing that works in virtual reality. Do you see the picture that I put in the outline? Yeah. Yeah. This is what he wants. And what we're looking at is basically um, a virtual reality cartoon where you and all your friends or your coworkers have like avatars and this is how you live your life. It really sounds like he wants to take people out of normal life and stick them into this metaverse instead. The Matrix, yes. Here's the thing. When I said I didn't want to leave my house, I didn't mean this. Right. I meant... I like how my house looks. You know, I want to leave my house now. If this is the alternative, I... The real world is that you can... There's trees and, you know, water. It's so lovely. (laughs) We... (laughs) Right. I mean, this is something that, like, in March 2020... March 2020, this would have been great. I feel like... I can't promise I will do this, but I hope that there's like a community or like a culture, a counterculture that pushes back against this to make it so that this cannot be the dominant way people live, because that's my fear, that this will become the dominant way people meet and socialize and go out to dinner. The Facebook metaverse specifically? Yeah. yeah. And there will be no restaurants that I can go out to dinner to because everyone's restauranting in the fake metaverse restaurants. That sounds crazy, but that is the pace of change. Right. Like, that's what he wants to do. Where do you get the food? Does someone come bring it to you? Like, does your, your avatar can't taste? I don't... Like, no, a robot world? has to come. A robot comes and brings it to you. Okay. That Amazon drones into your your room. You yeah, know, this like, sounds I, like hell. Honestly, like, I don't like that. I, it, it, that is a Black of, Mirror episode. I know that's such a trite cliche, I but that's, know. that's, the, and some Black, actually, there are some like futuristic things that are fun to imagine. This one is not. He wants to like steal us from our lives and put Why? us online where he can control everything we do, where he can. I mean, as they say, if you don't know what the product is with something you're using for free, like you are the product. Yeah. Like they only want to do this so that we are literally giving them all of our time, all of their attention so they can constantly monetize yeah. us. It's crazy. And there was some, um, just reading about this this morning, there was, I was reading an interview with like an early Facebook investor and he was like, he cannot do this, Mark Zuckerberg. Like it's a, he said, quote, it's a bad idea. And the fact that we were all sitting and looking at this like it's normal should be alarming everybody. I don't know if anyone's looking at it like it's normal. At least I'm not. Like, That's I don't true. want to live my life in a chair with a headset. I, as much as I said that I do. And as much as my screen time is nine hours. Like, I truly don't want to do that. And I just, it, it's a horrible idea. And the thing is that he wants to do this so he can be in charge. Because the metaverse is going to have rules. It's going to have, like, traffic control, quote unquote. Like, You know, are you going to drive? Are you going to drive to the fake office? Like, I don't, I don't. Yeah, let's imagine, like, I was reading one thing they want to do is sort of move uh, stand-up comedy to this and create, like, actual virtual reality audiences. And then it's like, you know what they're going to do is they're going to completely, like, come up with some way to measure how much people laugh. And then they're going to try to, like, create content based on that. And they're going to try to optimize fucking, like, art you're going to have like, to like, these are pay not- to wear clothes to the fake comedy show, to wear <laughs> fake clothes to the comedy show. And people are going to start like, flexing yeah. in the metaverse 
they're 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 uh, they're like Louis Vuitton fanny pack metaverse. Ugh, <laughs> I hear like, like sinister music playing as you're saying. I that. hate this idea. Like I because, really yeah. and it's because he wants to control it. It's not that he's like, this is a great way. We should like all we'll all get mentally healthier. Like if anything, you know that this has made everyone less mentally healthy. Okay, and, yeah, because Facebook made everybody real mentally healthy. Like I'm sure he's like hoping for like the the collapse of society so that like we can just do this instead like mm-hmm. it that's what's like so concerning is that none of these billionaires have any stake in the world remaining a world that humans can live in he like elon musk wants us to all go to space but so he yeah. can be in charge of it like I don't didn't he tweet there. something that he wants to like store human consciousness there or something insane and he also tweeted like I don't know how I've said this before, but like, I don't know how Elon Musk became a thought leader. And I know that sounds hypocritical because we talk about him, but I guess money. because we, we have to money. But also, like, nobody talks about the fact that his brother was also born on third base. His brother, like, I don't know if his brother's like an amazing guy, but his brother is like founding like urban farming companies. Like his brother is using that money for good. And this guy is like tweeting, explain to me why the government deserves my six, like my billions of dollars. And that's the most backwards thing because the point is like it works the other way. You should have to explain to the government why you should have three hundred and ten billion dollars now. Right. And the fact that government is so much less government is less strong than these individuals at this point. Clearly, they can't break up Facebook. They can't get Elon Musk to any of them to pay taxes or pay in really like any sort of reasonable proportion to their what how much money they actually have. And yeah, like they are clearly more powerful than the government already. That is interesting, though, about the Musk brothers, because it's actually quite an argument for nature over nurture. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point, for sure. Yeah. Just, and just I mean, thought, yeah. I'm sure the like long term plan for the metaverse is that like eventually the technology that it offers is going to be the best option for like public schools. And then they're going to be taking over that because our government cannot properly manage public schools and they need like tech partners. And you know, public schools that are so underfunded, they're not going to say no for ethical reasons to, to these things, you know? And then all the information about every person is going to live there. Like, they're breathing patterns while in school. Like, it's so terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. Yeah, I want it. What yes. do we do? Can we start a movement that's like, I guess that would be the climate movement. <laughs> that's why I mean, they want to destroy like, the Facebook world. Is such they want to give big... us no other option. Right. I mean, I think like what this early investor said, it's, well, he he was like everything that Facebook do needs to be regulated. They cannot be trusted. Sometimes I wonder, like, do you think Facebook's problems would be solved? And I don't think he would ever do this. But like, do you think Facebook would have more goodwill if Mark Zuckerberg was like, you know what? I, I take that people do not trust me to do this right now, whether he feels that way or not. Personally, he, like, so I'm going to step back and they put in somebody who, I don't know. But Facebook already hires all these like do-gooders that they pay a lot of money and nothing really changes. They make recommendations, but they don't take them. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have to worry about that happening. The man, his ego, he's never going to step down. And the truth is that someone who would make that calculus that you just suggested wouldn't even would never be in have. this position because they would, their moral I can't do this would go their conscience. I think they call it would go off. Um, That's like, you know, if you if you're wondering if you're if you're wondering if you're a narcissist, you're not a narcissist because a narcissist wouldn't care. That's reassuring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, like I said, this article by Amanda Hess, who's like one of my favorite like culture writers, she wrote the New York Times. I just want to quote it because it's such a good uh, little blurb. 
Metaverse's schedule of activities reads like an advertisement for a virtual retirement community where isolated millennials can live out their final days, gazing at what Zuckerberg calls, quote, a view of whatever you find most beautiful as advertisers conceive of new ways to drill advertisements directly into our skulls. Can you just like, so what do you do? You just live and die in your chair looking at yeah. Bora Bora on a screen, like in like fake Bora Bora? How are we going to exercise? Like if this... I, I guess you'll get something you can attach you have, to your. Yeah, but like it's unhealthy. Like everyone's just gonna like be a blob of goo. <laughs> yes, that's I what he wants. The, here's, you know what's upsetting? But what do you need? Like you don't. What, 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 what do goods do you need if you are never leaving your house that Facebook can try to sell you? Like can like you know because Facebook they'll makes sell you crypt. They'll sell you meta goods. You'll have to oh, look no. chic in the metaverse. Stop. You'll have to drive a nice car in the metaverse. Sweating. You'll have to have a mansion in the metaverse. People will know. They'll come over and they'll see your shitty metaverse backyard with no pool. Um, Here's what's upsetting, though. If there's one problem to solve that I think would, like, make everyone happy and it was, like, a cyber problem like this, I think teleportation would help everybody. No one likes to commute. Everyone wants to travel the world, but it's expensive. And no one wants – you know, I don't want to travel for 24 hours, frankly. Like – to go on a vacation for one week and then have to like fuck up my daylight savings time. Well, I feel like Mark Zuckerberg's argument would be you don't, we don't have to teleport you because what we're going to create in front of you is like literally the exact same. But I don't, I don't want to go to fake New Zealand. I want to go to real, I want to see real New Zealand. I think that maybe because he doesn't appreciate these, like these actual, these like small pleasures (laughs) that he does not have any conception that other people do. That's true. That's a big indulgence. It's, it's yeah. a big pleasure. Like, yeah. those are the big that's pleasures. Life. That's life. That's, yeah. that's what he's trying to replace is like, what he doesn't realize is that in the absence of like a ton of wealth and having access to like whatever you want, the rest of us do things and experience life outdoors with other people. Like, that's how we exist. That's what we right, want to like, do. Right. Like, you just enjoy a nice drink with a friend and that, or, or you know, quit like a woman, maybe. Whatever it is, we yeah. do experience things and those things. As someone... I will say as a person who is very absorbed in the internet, my phone, I live at this like little command center of my computer and my TV. So I am very much a screen person. I know that I always feel better when I leave and I interact with real people in real life. And like, yes, it's hard to get myself out of my chair, but I always feel better when I actually like. I feel like a person. That's what makes me feel like a person. I literally went to yes. a gynecologist this morning. But mm-hmm. just like being out. Oh, also, if you are putting off your pap smear, go because I'll give you a flu shot. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. I, I got, didn't do that. I, I told Mike I got double penetrated. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. <laughs> but really yeah, now funny. I'm like sweating. My, but just, just my going through the motion. this weekend. Yes. Oh, awesome. Going to, going to do things in the world face to face with other humans and their expressions cannot be replaced. With yeah. fresh air and like water and again, nature. Like that is, even if you're like incredibly wealthy, like it still is, you need outside. Even if you can buy all the goods in the world, you need like yeah. life. The Maybe Earth, Mark Zuckerberg the, isn't, is not But they don't convinced. care. Again, it, it comes down, they don't to, they don't really care about the earth. They don't have any incentive to pr- preserve the earth. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. 
Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So let's do a little bit more election debrief. We definitely leaned into our emotions yesterday. Uh, just initial reactions. Sammy and I touched on it a little bit before, but kind of like looking looking forward. Um, I guess, Caitlin, initial reactions. Were you surprised by anything you saw on Wednesday? I mean, I was a little bit surprised that Terry McAuliffe didn't pull it off in Virginia only because he'd already been governor and had a track record. But um, on the other hand, uh, LOL, nothing matters. Like, we all live in a world where it's like, oh, actual track record and actual policy. Like, uh, one of the things that was really striking was just how um, little policy was actually discussed in that entire race. And it's it's like a complete um, it's like a manifestation of the same problem we had in 2016, where there's 32 minutes completely across the entire election cycle of policy discussion and everything else was like daily scandals and horse race. And it was like, you guys, this person's going to be running the country. And now Virginia, the Democrats have a minority now by one seat in the house of delegates, which is really problematic. They lost all the statewide offices. So basically Democrats are never going to completely turn have power in Virginia again. It, you know, I wanted to sort of like write when I was thinking about this, like Virginia, for specifically that election and how like critical race theory, quote unquote, and the school boards were such a huge piece of what drove clearly that result. And I think back on Elise saying like her education in Virginia and how sort of like obsessed they were with glorifying the South and Robert E. Lee and how much he loved Virginia. So my sort of instinct was like, okay, well, maybe it's very specific about Virginia and the education system there. And this is, that's a very animating topic for them. But you can't continue to think that when there's like all these other elections that weren't so much better either for Democrats. So it's a sign. It's a big sign. I think the biggest issue that we have, uh, the, the biggest issue that Democrats have is well my whole thing is they're not aggressive enough and it feels very what i want to say 1862 feels very 1862 up in here so civil war history uh i don't know if anyone's aware but the north did not start winning that war like they really didn't win the war at all (laughs) but that's another story but like they were not doing well early in 1862. They had like a string of losses, like back to back to back losses. Like this is a game. It's a war. They lost a bunch of battles and uh, McClellan would not act. And he was the, the, the head of the army. And he basically was always like, Oh, but the Confederates have like so many more people. Like, guess I can't be aggressive against them. And I feel that energy coming out of Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer. Oh man, we, we can't do anything. Mm, we gotta, really? Oh man, we gotta make sure we, we just appeal. They just have so many more voters than us. Motherfucker. They don't. We, we're a majority. Like, act no. like a majority. And more than that, there are people who won on Tuesday who participated in the insurrection. 
Why is that even possible? Legally, under the yep. Constitution, an act of insurrection is supposed to preclude you from office. So how is that possible? Oh, if Democrats have been more aggressive and said, hey, this is an insurrection, we're treating it like an insurrection, anybody who stayed on the side of the insurrectionists is going to get their shit fucked up, then we wouldn't be here today, yeah. would we? I wanted to ask, that was one of my questions, was that Terry McAuliffe seemed to rely really heavily on Trump. And the postmortem seems to be he wanted desperately for Trump to be running, to be a bigger part of this race, and he just wasn't. And so do you think that they, it sounds like they just missed some opportunities to connect the GOP and their opposition just to the insurrection and insurrectionists in general. They just relied on Trump. Like I saw something where they literally, the Democratic Party sent out a mailer that looked like a pro-Republican mailer. They didn't mean for it to look like this. But they wanted it. They wanted to highlight that Trump had like endorsed Yunkin. But the way it literally was paid for by Democrats, it landed in mailboxes and it looked like a, a an ad for Republicans. Like, do you think it sounds like in the future what we need to do is connect all Republicans, the entire GOP, more strongly to this? Because like what I'm worried about now is now Glenn Youngkin, who I do believe is a Trumpy Republican, is now in charge of the Virginia National Guard. Mm. So I don't think that's what we want. Good point. Democrats don't map power. There's been a thing for a really long time where Democrats don't do any power seeking. They don't like strategically think about how to wield power and what they're going to do with it. They're not aiming to put their people in power and to manipulate and use that to get things done because the coalition, again, represents the entire spectrum of rational politics. So if that's the case, how are you going to, if everyone disagrees with each other, which we do, because again, we now represent all the same people. And I don't know if you can even call Joe Manchin sane after this pandemic crisis and him being like, yeah, let's not do paid leave, mother. Anyway, the point is, is that the, the far ends of our party, like they, they don't have anything in common other than not Republican. Keeping that, co that coalition together is really hard. And Democrats refuse to really focus on how they're actually going to break their opposition and make sure that, okay, if we're going to be negotiating against ourselves, we are the only ones who are in the room. There's no point in keeping those people around. I, that, and I also just feel like there's a sort of dispositional disadvantage with people who would be, would identify as a Democrat. I think that part of being a Democrat is sort of a slight uh, distaste for like too much money, too much power, you know, like take some of my money for taxes so we can all be helped. Like that's not a type of a uh, person who's going to like win a political game as effectively as someone who's like, fuck them all. Give me my money. It's all mine. And I don't give a shit about anyone else. You look at a group of those people and like you are at, then at a total asymmetry that you can do nothing about. Yeah. I mean, it's also it's like our examples of like Democrats who are are good at bullying and hustling are like are like Andrew Cuomo, who like, yeah, I'm sure if he was on your side for a certain issue, you were happy at certain times before he went down in disgrace. Like, it seems like our most kind of like aggressive kind of like figures, but like Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, Amy Klobuchar. Man, I want Amy Klobuchar to She's be the Senate Majority Leader. Liz Warren. Though. Like, yeah, yeah. Liz Warren is aggressive. Liz Warren is. Involved. It's also all the all the I would say all the most like aggressive players that are not, you know, Andrew Cuomo level um, like morals 
are <laughs> women. And because this country hates women, totally. it is impossible for those women to get into a place where they can actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all these like sort of structural asymmetries that I think contribute. Yeah. And that the Republicans capitalize on and who wouldn't if you were them. That's exactly why I lie awake at night sometimes thinking about how our first female president will probably be a Republican. I, I know. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Guys, they weren't or ready for that. I shouldn't. The governor <laughs> is a black woman Republican. I know. I'm just sitting here and being like, oh, great. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Who is it? Who is it? Um, the governor of what? The, the lieutenant, lieutenant governor, governor of Virginia, Virginia now. Oh. Who oh, ran with the right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, black Republicans. We're going to leave that for another discussion yeah. another day. But, <laughs> sure. But Sounds good. What, what I will say what I will say is that Republicans are very good at kind of kneecapping arguments about, like, their white supremacy. They're very smart about it. They've been doing it for over 50 years now. Uh, closer, yeah, over 50 years if the Southern Saturday dates back to 68. So we're here at a place now where it's like they they know how to undermine Democratic arguments and Democrats are don't want to argue. I mean, we see this in in the the uh, bills, too, like in the the congressional negotiations. You guys are negotiating with people who very clearly on the day of the insurrection would have let you die. I I'm just here, just like yeah. wrapping, trying to wrap my head around it. Be like, how do you negotiate with someone like that? That person wants you dead, and now there are more right. of them, and they're we're just, they're getting political incentives to kill you, mm-hmm. and you're just gonna continue being like, let's hash out a, a bill when Joe Manchin really likes to have tea with them, so or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, drinks beer. I don't. Know. <laughs> what did Joe Manchin do? Live on a houseboat, be a giant yeah. asshole. He did. He did get. Um, he did get confronted by like a, a ton, guy a ton of Sunrise Movement protesters this morning, like right when he stepped off his yacht. And it was very impressive because I would not have been out there that early at that age. It was like 730 in the morning and they were like hounding him down and he didn't really look like he cared. But one other thing I wanted to ask you guys today, because we do, it is so frustrating to just be like, really, is this just Joe Manchin? Like when we're like, we need to be aggressive. Okay, but Joe Manchin, do you think that there are like a lot more corporate Dems in Congress, especially the Senate, who... Joe Manchin's just giving them cover. Like if Joe Manchin were to suddenly say, fine, or maybe Joe Joe Manchin feels emboldened in his position. Like he knows that maybe, do you think Joe Manchin knows? Actually, it's not just me. And I actually have people behind me and I'm just the one keeping the wall up. Yeah, okay. Probably. I mean, the the Democrats are weak. The government (laughs) itself is weak. Like as a whole, it's, we're just completely at a, a stalemate where it's, and and the longer it goes on, it's um, it get it just sort of becomes more normalized, obviously. And it's like specifically with the insurrection, because the insurrection is constantly sort of just like let go, and it's like oh, the insurrection it gets farther away. It's mm-hmm. like you know, and like the only person who's mad about it is like Mary Trump and like a few other you know. No, Caitlin, obviously, yeah, yeah. Caitlin, <laughs> obviously, Caitlin, obviously, I know you're still mad. There about are a few it, people like, on the timeline who every day are like, I'm no, still mad Green about the talks yeah. about it every day. Ellie Mistal talks about it every day. There are people who talk about it every day. I'm also still mad about it, and that's why I noticed that every time there's time goes by and those people are just sort of like brushed under the rug, it becomes that the insurrection was fine and not a bad thing. Merrick right. Garland, this is why Republicans wanted to speed up that impeachment trial. And it's why it was 
gross political malpractice. Like Joe Biden, I want to be clear. I think that he's a probably a really nice guy. I think he's <laughs> like the best choice for president. We will consider the ones we were offered. I, I think, you know. Um, <laughs> Can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Yeah, but... This man is living in a complete fucking fantasy world. I don't know what America he's in, but it's not the one we live in. And he is just like hanging out with Beaver Cleaver or some shit. I have no fucking time for it. We are in a fucking 1860 paradigm. It's like if Lincoln were like, I think I should focus on infrastructure. Bitch. Yeah. Are you serious? That's they just shot at you. Right. Like, but we got to fill these potholes. Can we just fill these potholes? Let's just fill these potholes and then we'll talk about the other thing. Like, I, I do want to say, though, that if hopefully when these bills do get passed, they will be very helpful. They're not where, yeah. what we wanted, but they will, I think, make a strong argument for um, the Democrats to have done something very helpful to people. And I think we will look at the situation slightly differently once that happens. But that is does not mean that on the complete other side, they couldn't have been doing accountability and investigations. It's like, why does why does do we have to completely rely on the passage of this bill that Republicans and Joe Manchin get to completely dilute? Why don't we get to do both? Mm -hmm. I mean, why not take the third section of the 14th Amendment? You know, I've been reading about the history of the 14th Amendment. They really wanted to keep ex-Confederates out of office. I don't know why Mm -hmm. you think, like, maybe leading a violent coup against the American government should come with some really big fucking consequences and not allow you to then go back and make laws for said government. But hey, maybe those people, they were just agitated. You know, they have a like, vest. They're wearing vests. Post-war, you know, they they were like very emotionally yeah. exposed, I suppose. And they thought maybe we shouldn't let people who try to overthrow the government write laws for the fucking government. But yeah. there's a, a beautiful little escape hatch that apparently previous coup right there didn't. Yeah, just set it up for us. So why don't you use it, Democrats? Like those, there are two votes that very clearly encouraged the insurrection and supported the efforts. And that is going to be the the vote uh, to for the certification and then the vote for acquittal. Yeah. If I were running for office in 2022, I would make accountability for January. And I was a new person. I would make accountability for January 6th, a very, like my whole platform, because nobody's doing that, I don't think. I mean, I didn't know all the people that were up. If, if I think there were a couple special reasons, but like, you're right. And is it because there's no immediate political benefit to just hustling this is that why we're not seeing those steps taken oh the fish rots from the head where is the president of the united states where is on the leadership issue. of the senate where are you on holding people accountable for trying to murder all of you because we thought the voters would hold them accountable but they're no not one's even mad that they almost got murdered like i've been i've been lindsey graham like seemed mad walk. apparently lindsey graham like the washington he's not mad anymore not mad anymore. he forgave forgive and forget thoughts and prayers lindsey graham asked the senate sergeant at arms to start shooting <laughs> did you see that he, he, yeah, because he was scared then and emotions are fleeting. And he's now he's like, oh, like I have more. I'm, I'll be richer. If I don't do this. <laughs> Power matters. And Republicans are, you know, the thing about fascist movements is that they are very aware of power. It's the only thing that they need. It's the only thing that they want. And so, you know, Lindsey Graham knows what side of his bread is buttered on. 
and he knows exactly what he needed to do. He needed he put together a show. Maybe that was genuine um, on January sixth, where he was saying like this is completely out of the way. Like we can't do this anymore. Yeah. Maybe that was genuine, but it's not enough. And there's a difference between hey, this is who the person is, and hey, this is what they're doing. And yeah. that distinction needs to be like I don't care if you're a good person. Like I I know that sounds crazy, but like I really don't care. I I think like LBJ's ultimate legacy, like yeah, he was an asshole and a terrible person to a lot of people. But you know what? The Civil Rights Act, that shit way outweighs yeah. whatever personal harm he did. Sorry. Ending segregation was just more important than whether or not he humiliated an individual person. Mm-hmm. And I I can't let like on the on the measure of all things, like, are we really gonna stop? keeping this country going and keeping our country like it's not the future of this country because you really like playing racquetball with some dude are you fucking kidding me right like he does he takes me to his houseboat another piece i think that like democrats are living in like the past they think that if like we get them this really amazing infrastructure bill and or you know social social services bill and everyone gets the voters get more stuff, let's say, that they'll be happier and they'll vote for Democrats. But that's not like, I don't really think that that's how most voters think, especially not when you have like Fox News and, you know, that that's an old, when you had three networks and they were reporting on what bills got passed, like that was important. Now you have like Sinclair and most news that these people are reading is about like their school books and like someone's sad about the book beloved. Like they're not, you know, or someone wants to be referred to as they, they're not, they don't know about these bills. They're not. And also because most people like, it's still not enough. Right. And it's like, why aren't we seeing ads that were like, okay, maybe you don't want your kid to read beloved, but like the Virginia house of delegates capped insulin prices. So like, would you rather pay hundreds of dollars for their and, too, and, and, and that's where yeah that just didn't seem there's to no policy anymore through. we and Mm-mm, because that's right, yeah. democrats don't engage with the culture war you know they're constantly being like oh if we pass good policy yo if Paul, anyone cared about the fuck about policy hillary clinton would be in her second term this is not this is not a discussion yeah. about policy we are not having an argument 1860 1964 these were not arguments about policy right. These were fundamental arguments about whether or not everyone is equal in this country and we're doing it again and people are continuing to ally to that argument and continue to say that somehow something else is motivating people. I'm sorry, it's racism. We told you and you need to deal with that and figure out a strategy to make people think that being racist is really shitty and they should not do it and they should not want to align with people who do it and people who engage in that and tell people to be racist should never hold power. Just do that. Just just do that. Yeah, totally. But here's the thing. If people are racist, they're like, ooh, actually, maybe I do want that. Even if you can't combat, like, like this just giant monolith and, like, this history of the country that is inherently, like, racism is the central conflict since our founding, clearly, but they tried to teach us that it wasn't. Regardless of that, there's other ways to get Democrats elected that involve other things. For example, do you want your kids to live in a society where there is no food and water? 
Do you want your kids to live in a society that's run by an authoritarian fascist? Sounds pretty scary to me. I'm voting if you're telling me that you're going to make sure that doesn't happen. Again, maybe I'm not the most relatable voter, but there are tons of scary things. It's hard to motivate them towards like future because I guess they feel right no, now. No, but they're future that. afraid that their kids are going to be taught about like. Because of the white supremacy, yeah. because that challenges the, the idea and story that they had about themselves and their own success in this country. It challenges. It goes all the way down to the core of who people are. If you think that you got where you got to, that you have nice things and you are happy to have them, which, of course, because they're nice things, you have made a story about why you deserve the nice thing. And to tell people, actually, it's a little bit more complicated than that. It's not about what you deserve. The world has systemically lifted you up and pushed other people down. You are not operating on an equal or level playing field. Those people who are being pushed down are talking about how that happens and they'd like that system to stop. That scares people because most people don't actually think they deserve what they got. Yeah. And I feel like they're what they're saying is I don't want my kids to read this and think that they're racist. It's like kids are kids. They're fine. You don't want to feel racist. I mean, it's it's weird because like we learned about I remember my first like being taught about race like and racism. I feel like I've talked about this on the show before. My kindergarten teacher like gave us all assignments one day and was like, you can't do this. And these like whatever it was like somehow divided. These people could do this and play with like the better toys and your this group can't. And like that was how they taught us. And it just wasn't it wasn't dramatic. It was like how you teach a five-year-old about inequality in a way that like feels very real to them. And I just like, I just don't understand why it's so hard to say, acknowledge that like what you have, you you want a better lottery ticket than other people. I do. think what you said is is the sneaking suspicion that people know inside of them that they that it was luck and that they didn't earn it and they don't they don't want to be exposed. It's luck for everybody. Even people who deserve things also have luck. They're throwing like, they're throwing coins into the Trevi fountain yeah. to stop climate change. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry I can't help that your self-image and your self-esteem and your self-respect for yourself is so low that someone can't like, point out an advantage you had without you throwing a fucking traumatic Well, yes, Cindy. So how do we but, like how do we out-organize people's psychological affects? <laughs> Like, you have to honestly, I I don't know how to do that. I mean, that that is sort of what I mean. That's where I works at. clearly. You scare them. Well, that's what like, we were saying yesterday is that we have to that, scare people. But we did that. What we said yesterday is that like, well, we have that with climate change. It's not working. And we were able to do that with COVID. But do we have to be looking down with millions of deaths to get Democrats elected? Because people do know that Democrats honestly, do like, things. I don't know if it's that it's not working. I just don't think we do it that well. Like, I don't think we. We um they like they're the ones who are better at um making us seem like the fascists. They make Democrats seem like the fascists. So Good point. that's yeah, not that's like a reality point. problem. That's a us. That's a messaging problem. And again, it comes down to the asymmetry of what someone who is a Democrat would do to gain power. And I don't know how you how you fix that. I don't know how you out organize that. As I said, with the like literally it was like super late and I saw the returns coming in and I said, you don't win the wars you don't fight. 
Yeah. And uh, that's, that's exactly. if we're having a messaging problem, it's because people don't want that message to, they don't want to craft it. They don't want to implement it. They don't want to concentrate it. We don't have our own propaganda network. We somehow think facts matter. It, they do not. You have to like right. run them in consistently. You have to build a messaging apparatus and you have to be willing to, to do whatever it takes to make that message stick. And it's not going to well, be pretty, yeah. but it will get you results if you're committed. Yeah. Well, it's like, I feel like we need to, I really think we need to try other methods because clearly answering the, 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 the message of your kids are going to be told that they're racist in school and that slavery was their fault. Countering that with actually critical race theory is only taught in college and that's not what it means. <sighs> no one's going to be like, no one's like that's, oh, right. Let me, let me look no. into that and the, make sure. Here's the thing that you say in response to that, which is that why are you afraid of truth? Like you put it back, put them back on the defense. Why are you Caitlin, afraid? You are giving of, people way more so credit. Why is it so hard for you to learn history? Like, do you yeah. do you not like facts? Are you do you, are you allergic to them? Is that why you don't want facts? Because all we're doing okay. is presenting facts about the world from a different perspective to your child, not the assumption that America is amazing and wonderful and has never done anything bad. We're just talking about the whole story, which includes people. Who looked like that, which means that if we go back in time, I lived through segregation. I would like I learned that as a I was I never I don't remember life before knowing about racism. I literally have never lived my life not knowing about this. I watched Eyes on the Prize at three. Like I literally have never lived my life not knowing that I was black and what that meant in my society. Yeah, and we were saying yesterday nobody right. is on TV. Like there aren't black parents really, really being interviewed. And, yeah, black parents aren't like, oh man, what am I gonna do? Little Timmy's gonna learn about racism. Right, Caitlin, I do think you underestimate the anti-intellectual streak of people in this country. And like, I don't know if you've ever really spent quiet time with a racist Republican white woman, but that is not. They're like, but that's not nice. That literally will be the answer. So yeah, they're like I said, you can't out organize. Literally, that the answer. But th- but that's pathology. not nice. My presence generally makes these people start leaving rooms. So I, it's true. I have not spent a lot of time with them. No, but what, <laughs> what I'm saying is like what those people are saying at their kitchen tables is like how horrible what an affront that that they're being told that they're racist it's so horrible that they should be assumed that they're racist my child is not racist it's very um like that's yeah it, it just they're feeble they, they minded don't care and, they're like yeah. they don't give a shit they're like they're too young no they don't care yeah they don't care that's the issue they don't fucking care it's so fucked up yeah well, that's an encouraging note to to end on. But this was an awesome conversation and also totally different than the one we had yesterday. So amazing job. And if you missed that one, definitely listen to that. Uh, I know we all want to process a very a big week. Thank you guys so much. Until the end of democracy, until the likely end of our democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.